Oh, where have you been, my blue-eyed son? And where have you been, my darling young one? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today we're talking about how to stay resilient and present through mindfulness when the world takes yet another shift towards madness. Meaning, briefly, what the hell are we supposed to do now? I don't want to take too much time for the setup here. Let's just dive in and get to it and know that what we talk about here is how to maintain a practice or how to move forward with any level of consciousness and awareness when it really feels like you are overwhelmed by either the external or internal world. So I'm talking about it now because of the stuff that's going on in the world around me and around all of us if we live in the US. And it can apply to, you know, politics, to news, to terrorism, to more personal loss, more personal grief, more personal pain. And that's why I think it's it's universally important. So again, diving in, let's just get into it. I was struggling this week. I don't, I mean, I'd say, I feel like I say this every week. I don't struggle every day. It's like I wake up every morning. I'm like, everything's awful. What will I do? But I struggle when I come to talk to you guys and I want to make sure what we talk about is relevant and helpful. I don't want to just yammer on. I want it to be helpful. So what could possibly be helpful when there are bombs being delivered to CNN and to politically vocal Democrats. What in the world could possibly be helpful? So I started just researching and looking things up. How do we stay focused when shit hits the fan, basically? For Buddhists, what I've read about and discovered is that the first step towards, you know, survival or resilience or just a a functional life comes from accepting what is. Just accepting this moment, accepting it as it is, because it may be really bad or it may be great, but it's the only moment you actually have. You can't be in the past or go back to the past and you can't jump to the future to some other time where this isn't happening. So, Spending too much time in your head on either the past or the future is not productive. I sometimes have trouble with acceptance because I'm not necessarily ready to accept. I'm, I have defined in my head acceptance as some kind of tacit approval. And I think we need to take that apart a little bit. I don't approve of what is happening. I'm not okay with it. I do not approve. But there is a difference between approve and accept. I was trying to think about what is the opposite of accept. And I kept on going back and forth between deny and defy. If I don't accept something, I'm either denying that it is what it is, I'm denying it exists, or I'm fighting against what is. Fighting against reality has its own side effects, like suffering, but I'll get back into that. It's either this isn't happening or goddamn if I'm going to let this happen. But here's what I think. I think even defiance requires acceptance or another word might be acknowledgement. 
of what is real in the world. We can't change anything or feel it or move it or do anything until we accept and acknowledge what is real in the world. And it takes strength to accept. So when we talk about the first step as accept what is, I think that takes some work on the inside. And I would even take a step back instead of jumping into just accept it to feel. What does it feel like to me in this moment in time? Is there grief? Is there anger? Is there hopelessness? Take some time to feel that. Acknowledge those feelings. They are real. They are part of the current reality in the moment. They are part of the present reality. They're part of the truth. Don't deny that this moment contains pain. Accept that this moment contains pain. And that might be its own practice, its own meditation. That can be your whole practice. That can be what you do every day. Just sit and accept that things aren't good all the time, that you feel pain, that the world is not the way we want it. Which brings us to another common teaching that it's our attachment to things being a certain way a more perfect way that is what leads to suffering. And I can struggle with that sometimes too. I like being attached to a world where no one sends bombs through the mail. I am attached to a world where a whole group of people are not declassified out of existence by GOP policy. I am attached, I cling to a world where the idea of law and human kindness exists. I admit I am attached but this is not always our world. And this is where we go back to acceptance. So let's pause for a moment because I sometimes have stuff come up around acceptance. Again, it's around the idea that acceptance means tolerance of. Acceptance could mean that I'm okay with or I'll let it slide or it is what it is, what are you gonna do? So I'm not talking about a passive acceptance here. You don't have to stop at acceptance, but we can start there. These things are happening and we can't ignore that they are happening. We've got to instead move towards these things, acknowledge them, feel the effects, examine the results. There is something to be learned there. I don't say this in a surface way, like I stubbed my toe, what lessons can I learn from that? Although there are likely lessons to be learned from that particular toe style suffering, which is probably Stop rushing around and pay attention to where you're putting your feet. But we can't change the current discourse in our country unless we understand it. We can't stop people from putting bombs in the mail unless we understand their motivation. I've got a clue. I've got some ideas about how they're motivated and by whom. But if we really want to stop all of that anger and pain that motivates those kinds of actions, we need to acknowledge that those feelings exist in the world, that people have them, that people are motivated to take that kind of action. And we need to learn from that so that we can shift it. We can't alter the course of democracy if we don't acknowledge the elements that are undermining it. Not just react, not just hit back, but really feel, accept that it exists, examine everything around it objectively a little bit, which is really hard. Examine examine it without just turning instantly to anger and learn. And this is where the idea of mindfulness comes in. I mean, it comes in everywhere, but here's where I want to talk specifically about mindfulness. And part of the reason I rely so heavily on this is I don't know what else to do. I'm not saying that mindfulness is a last-ditch effort, 
by any means. It's not. I believe intellectually in my brain parts that mindfulness is a key step on the path towards right action. So there is that. Step on the path towards right action, check. But also, you know, what the hell? I mean, what's going on? I was on the subway on Wednesday when the emergency bomb alerts sounded on my phone, on everyone's phone, and it's scary as hell. And here we all are underground getting this alert that makes clear that someone or a group of someones are systematically targeting the free press and democratic leadership with death, not with bomb threats, but with bombs. And that is overwhelming. What do you do with that information as a person with a brain and a heart and a body? For me, the whole fight or flight kicks in, either anxiety, faster heart rate, panic, or on the other hand, just shutting down. Roll your eyes, turn off the notification, go back to your podcast or your game or whatever. And I kind of saw a little bit of both uh, on the train when those alerts came through. So yeah, sometimes I don't always know how to feel or process what is happening, what is real in the moment. I have trouble accepting that it's real and trouble turning towards that pain that is real to find clues on the path towards right action. I mean, what else can you do then but pause and breathe and try to be in the present moment to situate yourself, to become your own personal compass, to point you in some direction that is hopefully more productive than simply adding more pain and more anger and more suffering into the mix. Before we get to that, I want to pause to say thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want show notes or to find more episodes, go to yogafortherevolution.org. All of our past and future episodes are there, along with a way to subscribe, which is free, by the way. Also, know that at episode 97, I mentioned this last week, we will be wrapping up soon, sooner rather than later. And it's very possible, just as a heads up, that the last few episodes will come as like very special episodes on a timetable that may not be our weekly timetable. Some of this all depends on when the babies come. So if you are subscribed, whenever those episodes come out, they'll be automatically downloaded on your phone. So if you haven't yet subscribed, that's a reason to do so. If you like to listen to the show on the website, perfectly fine, but that notification, that automatic download happens when you subscribe. So go to the site, click on subscribe if you're interested and, and you'll be led down that path. On social, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yoga for the revolution. Instagram is yoga for the revolution and Twitter is y underscore f underscore t underscore r. Also mentioned last week, I do offer one-on-one work with people either in person or online. Right now I have a couple of spots left for seasonal self-care package, which includes Ayurvedic yoga, daily and seasonal self-care techniques, breathing, meditation, basically one-on-one time with me coaching all these things we talk about here on the show. If there are elements of the practice you struggle with or you just want to dive deeper, this could be a great opportunity. I would really love to work with you. Please reach out, contact me through the site or social, slide right on into my DMs, ask questions. Let's do this thing. So might we go from that first moment when the alert goes off or you read the headline or hear the sound bite? How can we go from that moment of potentially of overwhelm 
through the rest of these steps towards a place that might be more effective for, you know, living life. And as I mentioned, surprise, mindfulness is is where I'm going with this as the answer. I found what to me is a great quote about what mindfulness is and how to get there. And of course, I'll link to this article. It really helped me this week. It helped me pull my thoughts together on this topic. It's by writer and photographer Alvin Soon. And I had not heard of him until I literally Googled the phrase, how to meditate when the world is falling apart. Because I Google that stuff, you guys. And good thing I did. Because here's what he says, that mindfulness is not an otherworldly mystical state of mind, but an ability to stand in the river and not be swept away by the tide. And the tool Buddhists use to train this mindfulness is the breath. Yes, Alvin Soon, yes. Thank you. When we were overwhelmed, what else can we do but breathe and try to remain present to reality? Not jump into the future, not tether ourselves to anger or even to action, but breathe. And through that breath, become more connected to our bodies, which only exist right this second. So here's a cool thing about the body. Your physical body doesn't exist in the past. Only your idea, your memory of the body. Them's just thoughts. That's not physicality. Same with the future. The future is only somewhere your mind can go. You cannot take your body with you when your mind goes to the future. So if you focus on the breath and the breath as a vehicle to connect you to your body, not thoughts or ideas about your body, but your body in reality right now, then you can only be in the present. Is that the coolest trick in the book? I think it is. Here's something our new friend Alvin quoted in his piece from Jack Cornfield. When you're overwhelmed by illness or loss, by the conflicts around you, when you feel you are lost in the darkness, sometimes all you can do is to breathe consciously and gently with your pain and anguish and know that with the simple gesture, you are resetting the compass of your heart, no matter your circumstances. By taking that one simple, mindful breath, you will return again to compassion and realize that you are more than your fears and confusions. And another from Pema Chodron, we don't sit in meditation to become good meditators. We sit in meditation so that we'll be more awake in our lives. Aha, more awareness seems good. Awake to what is real and present in the moment seems good because that's the next step towards right action. In my book, we can act from fear, from overwhelm, from anger, but that is what got us here. I don't know anything about whomever mailed those bombs, but I can guess that that person is acting from a place of fear anger, attachment, hate, pain, that person is likely acting from those places. And I don't want to go where that person is. I don't. As hurt and angry as I am, as afraid, I don't want to have all of us turn on each other even more than we already are and kill each other by physical violence or by policy. So what choice do I have but to breathe? acknowledge and accept what is real, that the external reality and the internal reality are what's actually happening right now. Breathe and create space around that reality. So let me pause there. What do I mean when I say create space around that reality? It sounds a little fanciful. So to me, it means not being the thing you are feeling. 
I think English does a poor job of making the distinction between the feeling and the feeler. Sometimes we say, I feel hurt or I feel angry, but more often than not, we say, I am angry. I am that. You know, anger, yep, that's me. That's who I am. You know, pain and hurt and overwhelm, I am that. I am those things. Those things are me. In our language, it can sound awkward or silly to say, anger is present. Hurtness is present. But it's really more accurate. I am not anger. I am feeling anger. I am not pain. I am feeling pain. I am so much more than pain. I am different things than pain. I feel pain and I feel a bunch of other stuff too. So when I talk about creating space around reality, I'm not saying run away from reality or keep it at an arm's distance. I'm talking about really truly feeling what is present and feeling also that it is part of your reality, but not the whole thing. That it is present, but it is not you. Those feelings are part of you or near you or in you, but they are not who you are. Is that distinction making sense? I don't know how else to articulate it really. There's something about putting that space between yourself and the emotion that makes it, I don't know, less potent, less overwhelming, less attached to you, less inevitable. It doesn't make that emotion disappear, but to me, it works to make it feel more temporary, more transient. Not that grief or pain goes completely away when you acknowledge it, like Wiley Coyote notices he's run off a cliff, but he doesn't fall until he actually notices it. I don't think it's that instantaneous, but the grip of the emotion can loosen sometimes. I have an easier time accepting it because I know that I am separate from it. It didn't become me and I didn't become it. At the same time, reality is reality. We haven't changed it by acknowledging it. How do we move then? What do we do? Can we learn anything from these moments? Let's say we get there, we get to a place that we realize pain and grief exist, but we are not all pain or all grief. Can we see the present reality more clearly? Can this give us clues towards taking right action. I want to add too that for me, this is where non-judgmental self-awareness comes in. This is where compassion comes in. This is where loving kindness comes in. And you know what I'm not saying? I'm not saying we have to go from grief and anger to forgiveness and compassion immediately. I don't think they're two sides of a coin, that they're binary, that you just switch from one to the other. I actually think they both can exist at once. I don't think one has a better quality than the other. What I'm suggesting instead is something more like with a greater awareness of suffering, both our own and the suffering of others, a reality check of this situation. From there, from that place, we can work towards alleviating suffering of ourselves and others. And this is where I used to get so hung up. I used to think, I don't want to have compassion for terrorists. I don't want to feel loving kindness for people who commit violence. Why is that my goal? And it is a good goal in a lot of ways. I'm not perfect. I'm not even a committed practicing Buddhist. I just work here, you know, and I'm looking for tools that work, that function, that help me in the real world and could help you. And for me, switching my focus from I must feel love towards every individual, including those that cause pain, which is its own separate practice and valid in its own way. But if I'm talking about resilience in a moment of overwhelm, for me, that's a big leap. It's a big leap to go from I feel pain to 
so does the person that caused me pain and I'm going to focus on that and love that person. It is worthwhile spending time in that place, but for me, that's a big leap. So in my personal experience, switching my focus towards helping alleviate that pain for myself and for others is really helpful. And it feels less overwhelming to me. Instead of feeling like, oh my God, how do I take on this small but incredibly powerful cadre of hateful men who are running the whole world for their own personal benefit and suffer no consequences that we can even think of? I mean, the whole system is corrupt because that feels overwhelming to me. So instead of that, I can over time and over and over and over again, Focus instead on what I can do today or say to someone or with someone, with the person right in front of me, what can I do to make their lives better, easier, more manageable? Can I introduce them to someone who might have a job lead? Can I just be there when they need to talk? What can I do on social media instead of keeping the cycle of pain and fear going? Can I help people register to vote? Can I encourage someone to keep up the good work? Can I support someone emotionally or financially with the social justice work they are doing? Can I do this weird little show? Can I share with you what helps me? Yeah, I can do that. I can remind you and remind myself to keep breathing, that we have tools and we can learn and practice skills that help us from becoming pain, from becoming fear, from becoming anger, and instead feel all the feelings feel them, put space around them, add a little compassion and empathy to fuel our action because action is necessary, but I believe it has to come from a mindful place if it's going to be effective because sometimes it does feel like the world is falling apart. And if it is, I want my actions to be helpful, effective, efficient, even if they aren't sweeping and broad and loud, even if those actions are small, I want them to move us all in a better direction. How do we practice mindfulness when the world is falling apart? We just do it. I think we have to. I have to. Accept reality, not condone it, but look at what is real. Feel the pain that that causes. Don't be the pain. Let the pain be real, but also not permanent. Show yourself compassion. Breathe add a little empathy, and let that guide us towards right action. I am not suggesting it's easy or that I am successful at it all the time because I am most certainly not. But in a way, I do think, even though they're not easy, that the steps are pretty simple if we keep practicing, keep breathing, and live to fight another day. And I'll tell it and speak it and think it and breathe it and reflect from the mountains so all souls can see it and i'll stand on the ocean until i start sinking but i'll know my song well before i start singing and it's a hard it's a hard it's a hard and it's a hard it's a hard rain are gonna fall